0: Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of time extend my name is adam ismile and as always today i'm
1: joined by brendan Norison and it's back to just us two this time adam we we did have uh, the amazing jason on to discuss hot shot racing with his last thing but um it's just going to be the two of us this time and in terms of the agenda we've we've got another hot indie racer to talk about what a month for indie racers it's been and then yeah. also we're, we're going to revisit the, the hot takes topic because no matter how old that tweet has gotten now we still see some more takes filtering in, and some of them just need to be discussed let's be honest
0: yeah it's kind of funny they're colliding at the same time because the indie racer thing is just yeah i can't keep up i mean you know we had hotshot there's art of rally uh pacer is i think that's just around the corner right i think it was pushed back a little bit but that's happening Uh, inertial drift all these all these racing games i don't have time for and then there's like the heavy hitters like uh like dirt five coming up so um a lot happening there but we also wanted to talk about hot takes um and it's it's a it's a good time for us to return to the hot takes topic because uh if uh, you you're listening to this and you haven't seen we kicked off our racing madness bracket earlier this week where we uh, selected 32 racing games, 32 of you know some of which have been considered the best racing games of all time, uh, one time or another, and uh, they're all fighting, fighting off with each other, and people are uh, aghast at some of the pairings. And, and <laughs> I mean, th- we'll we'll leave that conversation for another day. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we will kind of do a, a download of everything once it's once the dust is settled, and we can finally crown the winner.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that will need to be done. It's funny. I think some of the picks people assume it's like our favourites, but um, surprisingly, we, we eliminated some games that we would consider our favourites before it even began. And then, in terms of the matchups, that there's some matchups in there that are rounds of death. But that's what happens in these brackets. And yeah, I, I can't wait to discuss it once we see the overall results. It's clear there's going to be a few favourites, but I also think there'll be some shocks along the way.
0: Yeah, and, and also, I just want to say that if you think that the selections of games is overly influenced by what we like and don't like, consider that Sega Rally Revo is not on the bracket, <laughs> and Gran Turismo 5 is, uh, which, you know, if this was a list of Adam's favorite racing games, uh, Gran Turismo 5 would be so far away from that list that it, it would just be on another planet, But but that goes, you know, that goes without saying, so... We'll uh, we'll we'll focus on the topic at hand, Uh, Brendan. You've been playing *R the Rally*. I have not been playing *R the Rally*, but I I think I have my reservations about most sort of like indie, specifically the top-down racers. uh, Is never quite something I've I've really been a fan (laughs) of. I can think about games I played back on like say the Game Boy or even like *Mother Storm RC*. They're cool. It's just never been my preferred way to play a racing game, but but you really dig are the rally, and I wanna I wanna hear you you know talk about why it's sort of you know captivated your attention as much as it has.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, t- to kind of kick off, I shared the exact same thoughts as you, Adam. I think we are both on record at some point or another, whether that be on Twitter, or Discord, or even in an episode, is saying that the. Like the, the game, like Art of Rally, is and the way its predecessor was as well, not really the type of thing that goes for me. Uh, top down racers for me are very kind of um, specific in the sense that they work when they're like micro machines, that type of thing. You know, like it's supposed to be small scale vehicles in a large scale environment. It works because of that. Most of the games in that genre still don't work, even if they do meet that criteria, but you do get a few gems. Um, and then. This is more of a personal preference thing, but I never liked the way the, the predecessor looked either. I wasn't a big fan of how like overly artsy it looked, ironically, given the name. And I just didn't see much there that I would enjoy. Despite that, I decided to buy the game. And I didn't know much about it outside of the trailers and people sharing screenshots of how the game looks, because if we go into this discussion, one of the things I don't want to do is constantly go on about the, the aesthetics of the game because it is absolutely stunning, I will say that, and the the art style works a lot better than I initially thought it would. So, that's fantastic, but my point there is, in the pre-release everybody was just sharing how the game looked and praising the minimalism as opposed to any kind of worthwhile commentary on how the game played or anything like that. So... Yeah, Art of Rally, when I first played it, naturally it guides you towards the very, very high top-down view because that's the, the preferred way, I think, the developer seems to like the games. However, um, in the menus, you can change the camera options, which was a surprise for me because I did not expect that at all. And when I first played it in the way the game kind of presents itself initially from that top-down view, I was initially surprised at the depth of handling and how it felt to play which was pretty decent. And then I changed the view to basically it's sort of like third person but it's like higher up so it's almost as if like you've got the car and then there's like a seagull kind of gliding behind the vehicle so it's yeah it, it's almost like a, if we're talking about like angle sort of like a 125 degrees from the front of the car kind sure. of angle and then the game just exploded to life for me like hmm. once i could actually see the, the movement of the car a bit more this is a deep racing game as far as the physics go um i've seen Eurogamer and outlets like that describe it as like a dirt rally light and that is very very on point wow there's like a surprising amount of Like sim techniques almost that apply to the driving with like a nice layer of arcade over the top, where effectively the car does have like its own center of gravity. So when you're going through the tracks and driving the car, and you're going over bumps and kind of taking like kind of right handers and that type of thing, you actually get a nice feel for the weight of the car. Now it sounds silly but when it was at the top down view initially I didn't really appreciate that but once I could see the game in a more traditional racing game light it just sprung to life for me like in terms of the way the handling felt in terms of the way that I could understand what the car could do and what it couldn't do it became so much more apparent and then it just became a joy to play like I can't stress enough, my enjoyment of this game is not the very nice aesthetics, it's not the kind of mild humour that's in there, it's not the pretty nice almost Vaporwave-like soundtrack, which I do appreciate as well. All those stuff are common to a lot of indie racers, but ultimately when it comes to the driving experience, they tend to be pretty decent. On On the side of Art of Rally, I personally feel that as of now in 2020, this is the best handling arcade racer I've played all year. It is absolutely brilliant. And I don't say that lately because we've played some good stuff Adam, like, there's been Hotshot, there's been Project Cars if you want to band that in there, obviously that's a bit more in-depth, given where that series has been. But in terms of raw understanding of what you're supposed to drive the cars like, it just clicks in Art of Rally immediately. And, and this is this is maybe where I think it might get a bit controversial for people. People compare it to dirt rally in some ways. I would say actually compares very similarly to the old Call of McCray rally games, and that is pretty mm. high praise. I would say it's like you I would say that's the highest
0: for. praise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's not as if it's like as absolutely brilliant as those. Completely, it's just more the way the handling has been implemented. It's to encourage the idea of appreciating how rally should be driven, but still having enough free-form, arcade kind of um, mechanics in there, so that you can drive the car with a bit more flash and pizzazz. Because ultimately, it's called art of rally. It wants you to embrace the the ways of driving the car with a bit more flair than you might do the rally because you're terrified for like most of the drive you get like this nice sense of balance to the car and the tracks themselves have the right amount of kind of uh, gradient raises and that type of thing it's not totally flat surfaces it's not boring track design these are rally tracks that you want to drive on and in a game like art of rally that just surprised me because i'll be honest i said at the start i thought this was just going to be very kind of um shallow as far as a meaningful experiences went but i've spent about five hours pure driving time at the moment in art of rally and i've loved every single second of it and that is not something i expected at all
0: that's so cool yeah i'm watching (laughs) it's funny how much i kind of avoided information about this game because i was waiting for us to talk about it and I was honestly waiting for you to convince me I should play it because <laughs> for whatever reason, it was just something I kind of, you know, it just wasn't really drawing me in. Uh, but now I'm watching more footage of it. I'm watching it from these camera angles and you're talking about it and I really want to give it a go. Um, yeah, I, you know, I would say almost the aesthetic of this game hurts it. And By that, I don't mean the aesthetic is bad or that the game doesn't look good. I, I think for... People like us, it might make it a little bit too easy to dismiss as, yeah. you know, quirky or artistic and not having like any meat to the handling model or gameplay. Uh, w- when you have a game with such a, a distinctive look like this, it, it unfortunately the downside of that is it can be easy to dismiss. But uh, everything you're saying is is kind of uh, pressing all the right buttons at least for me. And it's funny because I've had a week that's been very, very much based around playing uh, rally games. And, and in some cases, you know, rally titles I have, I've never played before uh, that, that I've always wanted to. Like, uh, I finally got my hands on a copy of WRC 4, uh, and that's the Evolution Studios WRC 4 from 2000 and... Oh, well. Wow. I think that was 04. I think that was 04 as well. And um, yeah, it's a great game. I'd never played any of the EVOS rally games before. And it's it's cool to experience that. I also have been playing a little bit of Colin McCray 2.0 again for the first time in a while, partially influenced by by the bracket which it's on. Uh, and I've been playing both the Model 3 and uh, PC releases of Sega Rally 2. So like, <laughs> wow. it's it's just it's just funny how you know you can play all of these different expressions of like the same discipline of racing and, and get so many different flavors to it and. Uh, the fact that you highlight Colin McRae out of all of those, I think, is telling because there is something to the way that like CMR two and three move, the the level of fidelity of you know the body roll, the weight transfer, the grip, where it is and where it isn't, that makes those games feel like you know some of the best handling rally games I've ever played. Uh, yeah, I think I think if you're talking about I don't want to speak in realistic terms because those games are so old that they don't really qualify. But just like in the in a similar way is how you know Sega Rally '95 will always just feel timeless and perfect. You know I think the Colin McRae, the uh, sort of early to middle Colin McRae games achieve that as well, um, or they get close to it. And I'm I'm definitely up to uh, to play a game that sort of blends that handling model with also something that's a bit more you know a bit calmer a bit more of like a it's not not quite sweaty as dirt rally maybe (laughs) i think (laughs) i'm
1: up for that i think that's it like in in my head the the way i was thinking about how to describe it i had to go to a vastly different genre to quantify it art of rally feels like the super monkey ball jr to super monkey ball deluxe (laughs) Of wow. the old Colin McCree rally games. like it, it has those core fundamentals of the, the car body role, the way a car should act on these circuits, but it puts it in a package that doesn't make it feel so all encompassing. And I mean, the, the old games weren't quite as sweaty as that rally goes, but at the time they definitely felt that way. Yep. And the thing about rallying games in general is the reason I think that we get so many different interpretations of that motorsport specifically is because it it's very easy to to look at the sport and make up your own kind of mechanics of how it should work because, like, r- rally racing, the motorsport itself is the very definition of drivers in the flow or in the zone. What does that zone look like to different rally drivers? For the dirt rally crowd it's the over intensity of knowing you're on the verge of death every two seconds. For say a rally 95 it's the coolness and exciting nature of driving in these environments that aren't closed circuits. For Art of Rally, um, the approach it takes is it's all about the drifting, which obviously is like an extension on the predecessor game that Fun Selector made. But the good thing is, it never lets that just be the focal point. The game opens with a pretty funny cutscene of like a Buddhist statue rising from the ground. (laughs) Like, young child, you have been brought here to learn the art of the rally. And like, at that point I was like, alright, so it's going to just be this kind of quirky game we thought it was going to be, but then you actually start driving, and you realise that even though it's got this coating around it, the the actual driving experience feels really nice, and it feels so great to say that. And the other thing as well is, and I think this will actually appeal to you quite a lot, Adam, do you know much about Group S in the game? Have you heard much about this? No. No. Oh, you're gonna love this, right? So, the whole premise of the game um, is that, basically, what if Group B wasn't a death trap? So the whole idea is, if Group B rally cars had existed, the drivers were skilled enough in the art of rally to drive them without the many deaths (laughs) and injuries that were involved, what would have came next if they didn't have to rethink those regulations and structures? The whole okay. game is structured from moving from the very initial rally cars straight through to Group B, and then once you beat Group B, you unlock Group S, which is these like ridiculous rally cars. And I don't mean in the sense that they're all hypercars or stuff like that, but rather the manufacturers taking the principle of Group B, sticking stupidly powerful engines and cars that shouldn't have them, stupidly daft aero. And extending that to other vehicles like the VW minibus and stuff like that. Wow! <laughs> and like Group S is basically like the personified version in the art of rally world of what manufacturers would have done post Group B to keep rally as exciting and as interesting as it was getting.
0: This is um, amazing. Yeah, I'm yeah. watching a trailer. <laughs> so these, so these are. Uh, I don't know how much you know about this, but a lot of these were actually prototypes.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: That that car companies made at the time. The first one that looks kind of like a Ford RS 200, but mo- like a prototype RS 200. I, I can't remember who made that. I don't think it was Ford, but um, but there's a couple of these that the Lancia one. I remember that Lancia was in, I think, Sega Rally Revo, the uh, Toyota 222D. I think it was called was basically Toyota's attempt at making uh, an MR2 for Group B. That car was actually in Sega, Sega GT 2002 and is undrivable in that game. So, this is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah it's even awesome. got an MR2 in there as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a Toyota. Yeah, that's oh, yes, awesome. yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, obviously they're not licensed and stuff, but it's just really cool because, like, the whole game is based around this principle of getting to that point and driving the Group S vehicles that didn't actually get used. As you say, they're they stuck at that prototype level and yeah it's just really cool that it's got that unique level to it rather than just like the usual cars you would expect to find and um, even in terms of the game's art style as well because of this hyper minimalist way this is basically like a, a graphic designer's wet dream in the sense that there's a lot of there's a lot of like iconic liveries in here that are just distilled to their core components on these very very minimalist cars and oh, it's just fantastic, like, instantly recognisable cars still having that recognizability, even when distilled to their most, kind of, um, basic elements. And all this comes together as you might expect, or maybe not, given the type of game it is, with a very nice photo mode as well, which allows you to have, like, free roam camera, take the exact types of shot you want, and I don't usually care about photo modes that much, I'll be honest, I know... There are loads of people that love them, but I tend not to bother with them. Mostly because a lot of them don't actually work well from a performance point of view, I find. Like it usually chugs the frame rate right down and they're a pain to use. Um but in Art of Rallies, like it's so easy to just jump in and get a great snapshot. And because the game has been built from that aesthetic angle, you can just make such like effortlessly nice photos. And the, the game kind of hams up in that side as well. For example, before one of the events you do in the Italian rally, you unlock like a, a kind of almost painted like Porsche, where it's like loads of different like paint strokes on the car, and it's like five different colours. When you go onto the next stage, there's a, a section you go through with like five buildings, and as you can probably guess where I'm going with this, they're all mm-hmm. coloured in the same colours that's on the car. <laughs> And oh, it's just like so cool. creates that nice imagery like as you go through it. And I've noticed with a few of the liveries that you unlock as you go through, that's usually the case. If you decide to use the car with the livery you've just unlocked, there'll be sections of a track that kind of go with it well. There's a similar uh, track where there's like a football field beside the track, oddly. And before that you, you unlock a car, it's like in a black and white design that doesn't look like a football until you drive past that football <laughs> pitch and then you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And there's loads of like little touches like that. All the cars have like tiny bios. and There's like funny comments. For example, the the Alpine or Alpine, however it's pronounced, <laughs> um, and that's bio. It says like um, this car was theorised to be uh, created after the uh, artist sat on a baguette and realised it looked like a car. <laughs> so it's like that's there's fantastic. loads of little comments like that, and like it's funny because I'll be honest. I'll put my cards on the table. I did not think this game was being made from uh, a side of someone who loves rally. I just thought it was going to be a kind of face value, pretty indie racer. But there's loads of little touches and in inclusion of the Group S prototypes that make me go, you know what? Even for like car buffs like yourself, in the sense that not the actual inner workings of cars, but rather the iconic legacy of cars, especially in rally. There's enough little touches here that make me go, you know what? Like this is. This is a worthwhile experience from a time extent perspective because of that, and I'm just I'm just bowled over by how much I like it because I did not like to look at this at all prior to the release. Yeah. Wow.
0: Okay. Yeah. So so you sold me on it. I'm gonna get this <laughs> uh, And and I'm sorry to bring this up because I'm sure uh, lots of people listening know more about this than I do, but it, there's no there's no switch port, which I mean, ah uh, yeah, there's th- no th- that console would port seem at
1: all at the moment. It's just PC at the moment. No console yeah, versions.
0: That's kind of shocking. Um, I'm, again, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, but because I think if there was a Switch version, that that would be the one that I would jump on without even thinking about it. Um,
1: but yeah, I'll, I'll
0: I'll pick this up on Steam. If that's the only place where I can get it.
1: Yeah, I think I think there will be console ports eventually. And hmm. funnily enough, like I, I would get it on the Switch as well because obviously it's just the console's just got that pull for some reason but like i wonder how difficult this would be without the analog triggers because I, can, mm. I can't overstate it like i'm not i'm not kind of giving the game a bit more credit than it deserves in this regard like the analog handling of braking and accelerating is so important in this game like there wow. was times where okay. i'd go over a jump and just forget like i'm playing a top down racer pretty much i'll just hold in the accelerator and land like the way you would expect in an arcade racer Like the car, it was like a front wheel drive car, it landed, um, the kind of front first, and I just spun out and went straight into a a fucking boulder because I didn't relieve the accelerator and kind of let the car easily, like, kind of fall down. And there's loads of little moments like that that I feel as if the analog control system really makes a difference. But I think Absolute Drift, if that was the name of the predecessor, I think that came out on Steam first as well, and then the, the console ports followed. So I think that will happen. The mm. one caveat I'd say to everything is, this is not a cheap game, we talked about Hotshots being like mm. very keenly priced. This was um, on deal when I bought it at first at like £17.50, I think £20 retail, uh, sorry, uh, RRP. I really think that is actually on the, the higher side of things as far as indie games go. So this isn't like a impulse purchase territory and I, I find that pretty interesting actually that it's on the higher end of the price scale.
0: Yeah, it's it's twenty five dollars right now, uh, which yeah. is if you're going on this game based on the pitch of you know how I was kind of treating it as like a top down indie racer that seems that. like a lot, <laughs> um, but you know if you're if you're actually you know talking about it going into details on why this game is successful and works then may- maybe that's a fair price. Uh, it's just you know over time. Uh, I'm sure it'll it'll come down, and especially as it makes it to more consoles and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, I'm excited though. This looks
1: so good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, if if you were to twist my arm for some kind of um, questionable slash uh, cons as far as questionable decisions slash cons as it goes, I think that um, there there is no pace notes in the game whatsoever. Not even any visual indicators or like corner severity indicators, which works for the type of Game, it's trying to be like. Obviously, you're trying to get in the flow of driving. You don't need a co-driver telling you what to do. It's just that some of the track designs are very, very technical and mm. can be difficult. Especially when, like, it's like Finland and you're going over a jump straight into like a ninety degree angle. You can just like fuck it completely um, without any sort of indicator of how difficult it can be. Sometimes it can feel a little bit unfair. But w- once again, if you're if you're in the zone and feeling the game, it will come naturally, and I think that's what Fun Selector are going for. It's just something to bear in mind, even from an accessibility point of view. I suppose you will have to kind of get used to driving each of the cars and understand how those react on the track as opposed to being able to rely on the, the typical rally technique of understanding the pace modes and that type of thing.
0: Sure, all right. Well, yeah, this is this is awesome. Uh, I, I, I love it when we have these episodes where I'm just like. I'm the latest person to the party of like everyone who's already played this game and been like, this is amazing, and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I have to be convinced, but uh, but yeah, you've convinced me. So well done.
1: Oh well, I'm happy for it because I feel as if I had to convince myself as well initially because, like, I decided to take a punt on it because I was just happy to see so many racing games released recently, like this month. It's been wild. Um, and with this one, I had seen some slight things about how good the game was and I was like I want to find out if this is just because of the visual style and the gimmickiness of it or if it's actually a a worthwhile racer. And for me right now it's like the... it's the biggest surprise of the year racing game-wise for me because I just didn't expect anything from it, just personal preference-wise. Funnily enough. For people going into it who don't actually want a fairly in depth racer, I can see why they might not be so won over by it to be honest, because mm. you see this cool looking racer, you buy it and it actually expects you to kind of grind through learning how to drive the cars and stuff a bit. Sure. I can see yeah. why that might be a slight negative. In going through the Steam reviews, that that seems to be the recurring theme. For every ten Gloon reviews there's that one person who rightfully to an extent says I was kind of sold on this by the way it looked the way it had this gimmicky style and stuff and then i, I was shocked at how much i actually expected from me driving wise
0: <laughs> yeah well that's i feel like that's a hallmark of like our favorite games you know the ones that uh are sort of immediately appealing but deeper once you get into them so you know it yeah, sounds sure. like it's got that got that arcade racer mentality going for it which is cool but yeah, I think that covers our rally off pretty well, uh, and now we can we can probably transition into hot takes round two. Of them. There are actually so many that we didn't even talk about in the first episode. Though, like we could, yeah. we we have a million to go to, uh, to go through. I prioritize the more recent ones. Um, when we when we sort of uh, retweeted our call to arms uh, at the end of August, which is it's crazy that we're in October right now. I remember us talking about doing this episode again, like late summer, and here we are. Uh, but but yeah, here here we are, and there are a lot of them. And I guess I guess I'll I'll take the first one. Uh, so I'm scrolling through, and I think the first one that I want to bring up is actually related to Need for Speed, because uh, the news this week we we've heard for a while that EA was going to. remaster Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2010. And we didn't exactly know when we'd see it because it's been kind of, you know, it's been coming for a long time. But EA has been teasing this uh, for the past week with this uh, hashtag 510. They started up a website. We are recording this on Sunday, so by the time this episode goes live, this will probably be public news. Um, but, you know, at this point, a day a day ahead of the announcement, it, it seems pretty inevitable that they are re-releasing Hot Pursuit 2010 on consoles, uh, and that includes the Switch. And I assume PC as well, uh, which is pretty cool. So this uh, this message that I want to highlight, this take uh, from Rice Malana. Uh, this this was from back in August, I believe. So it's not you know it doesn't really speak to to Hot Pursuit 2010 specifically, but it does relate to it. And he says that the overwhelming success of Most Wanted 2005 and Underground 2 have pretty much cursed the franchise with a fan base that will ignore all other great Need for Speed titles, past, present, and future, unless it's a, quote, proper sequel <laughs> or remaster of either of those games. Uh, I don't know how hot of a take this is, but I do, <laughs> I do yeah. agree with it. Um,
1: and- <laughs> I agree with it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing where we all are well aware of how influential Most Wanted Underground 2 are uh, and how the most fervent of Need for Speed fans uh, wants those games to return. Um, what I will say is that, and, and this is maybe my... Take off of his take is that at this point I don't know how much the core Need for Speed fan base matters to that franchise anymore because you look at like the most successful critically and commercially games in that franchise over the last 10 years and you know long after these two games came out and um you know I think it's fair to say Need for Speed is not the the breadwinner for EA that it was in the first part of the 2000s but You look at a game like Hot Pursuit 2010, and uh, Most Wanted 2012 as well, and I am, as I've said before, I'm no fan of Most Wanted 2012, but you look at some of the entries in the series over the past 10 years that have succeeded in spite of being the games that are mentioned here and have kind of, as a result of that, been able to strike and be successful with a wider group of people that are not necessarily the core need for speed audience, and I think that basically shows that it doesn't
1: really matter what the core need for speed audience thinks. Yeah, I mean it's a I mean, first and foremost, the elephant in the room, it's an EA franchise. Like all of EA's games are looking to appeal to a wide demographic of people. It's it's a bit naive, I think, to suggest that they really care about what the, the core Need for Speed fan really wants, because ultimately they, they want to create a game that's accessible for a lot of people, that capitalise on the, the trends at the time, which I think for fans of these games specifically, that a lot of them might feel to realise. like These games were made in a time period where that type of street racing was in the public eye. Things like Fast and Furious were massive. Um, times and trends change. And Need for Speed has always been one to try and capture that because even with Hot Pursuit, like the, the Criterion version, that was going for that kind of high octane adrenaline action racing that wasn't wasn't really like a, a trend in the racing game industry specifically, but just a trend in the overall industry of video games. Everyone wanted that high octane action based gameplay, and they tried to provide that in Need for Speed through like the the introduction of EMPs and stuff on a a more grander scale. Um I do feel as if the Need for Speed fans are unfortunately in that element where they're probably never really going to be happy with Need for Speed as a series' output because I don't think we'll ever kind of see EA kind of yield and make a full brand new title that just appeals to what these guys want. Because I think in 2020 and beyond a racing game that focuses specifically on the underground racing scene is not something that the general populace will really take to. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but if you look at, like, in a different media, Fast and Furious's trajectory, there was a reason that they shifted it up and... Uh, pun not intended. <laughs> and um. As far as uh, Need for Speed goes, it's tried to do the same things through the run and all that type of thing that didn't quite work out sales-wise, but they've always tried to keep the series fresh. And even Need for Speed Heat's interpretation of street racing, it's more along the lines of that kind of um, Havana-Cuba style of street racing, where it's more about the... It's not just it's not just about racing on the track, it's about the cred that goes along with it. That that's the way heat goes with it and the kind of the, the corruption of the cops and that type of thing, which is great. Um but a kind of a, a very a very kind of primitive street racing experience made through Most Wanted and Underground 2. I think that heydays kind of went away now. And it's maybe time to look beyond what those offered start appreciating what they have when it comes along because It has generated a lot of negative buzz for future Need for Speed titles after that point that probably shouldn't have been there. I mean, me personally, I've talked about it before, I absolutely adore the run. And that was basically slated for being the total antithesis to these kind of open-world Need for Speed's. But it was great in its own right, in my opinion. Um, Even the Criterion games, Most Wanted 2012. Do we really think Criterion wanted that to be called Most Wanted if we're going to be honest? I don't quite buy it. Um, But clearly that was a decision made to try and appeal to this type of audience and then from that point perhaps you have realised that it's time to try and move the series on and ultimately the success of the games will be driven by what the general population wants, which I think is why Need for Speed goes through so many changes iteration upon iteration.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have it on record that uh, Most Wanted 2012 went through a really troubled development where that game was supposed to be in some ways a continuation to the original and uh, repositioning, you know, maybe its uh, hits to resources and and the budget or what have you or time. Uh, resulted as with so many games uh, That are in any way related to Electronic Arts or Activision In a game that was kind of a, <laughs> a shadow Of itself and uh, what what It was supposed to be So yeah I mean I, I, I think it, it goes without saying that You know that was not necessarily the game they wanted to Release and I also think that this conversation Of what constitutes a real Need for Speed Or not a real Need for Speed just distracts Everyone from some of the good Entries in the franchise in the last 10 Years you, you have the run uh, you know, I still think Hot Pursuit 2010 is a great game. It's not uh, my favorite of the of the Hot Pursuit branded Need for Speed games, but it is very good. Um, I love Heat. I've I've said numerous times I think Heat is fantastic, and I don't really understand what issue anybody would have for would have with Heat if they enjoyed Most Wanted or Carbon or Underground. Uh, but but you know that's a topic for another day. And uh, yeah. I, I just, I, I feel like Need for Speed fans maybe tend to, and and, and in this sense, I think I agree with, with the take here. Need for Speed fans kind of have this own, their own sort of um, internal uh, history of events and canon and knowledge of what matters. <laughs> yeah. They're in their own bubble, essentially. And the this the genre is bigger than that bubble. And sometimes the way people talk about Need for Speed, like, where, you know, what what's better, like, break-to-drift physics or grip physics? It's almost like they <laughs> haven't played any other racing game in their lives. And they're just, like, <laughs> focused on, like, there's only these two ways to do things. Not taking account of the fact that games like Project Gotham Racing allow you to drift or not. Many racing games allow you to drift <laughs> or not. It doesn't have to be this yeah. weird binary. Like, it's, it's just this kind of strange uh, set of rules that they feel like the franchise needs to... Uh, need to stick to and I don't know I, I, it always struck me as odd but I think the thing about Need for Speed is it can weirdly surprise you with good entries uh, every now and then even when you're expecting bad ones and I mean at least Hot Pursuit 2010 we know is a good one so supposedly this version will have a cross play as well so you know it's it's yeah, I'm. am never going to turn down their crossplay racer, uh, because there, there really yeah. aren't enough of them these days. I,
1: I just can't believe that of the crossplay racers that we have, Need for Speed will now have two of them because Heat has it as well. Like, yeah. what? What a weird timeline! I don't think anybody would see that coming from a, a, series that is trying to appeal to a wide demographic. I mean, I suppose that's a bit of an oxymoron. They're they're applying to. A, sorry, they're trying to appeal to a large demographic. <laughs> But crossplay multiplayer is probably something that most of this demographic don't actually care about, despite the fact that it opens up the game to a wider field of people playing online. So I think it's great. Like I I just can't believe it's coming to the Switch as well. Like that's the, the most mind-blowing part for me because EA have been very selective in their support for the console, but um we're gonna have Burnout Paradise on there and now most wanted I and mean, when you can and then when you add all the other kind of racing games coming to the Switch, like Grid Autosport and stuff. It's kind of putting a bit of egg on our face in the sense that we talk about it not having a great roster of racing games. It's building up a decent selection now, so happy days.
0: Yeah, there there is a story about how you know the Nintendo Switch is secretly uh, that genre on the Switch is thriving best on the best based on the best <laughs> racing games of like 2008 yeah. through like 2012, uh, and that's that's pretty much keep them coming. What's keep them coming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's get a... Surely they can they can figure out a way to get split second and blur on there. Ah, oh,
1: <laughs> Split Second would be possible if like Black Rock Studios weren't in the dust somewhere and Disney Interactive also yeah, gone. Same, same um, thing for Bizarre, but Yeah, that's true. That's very true. But like at least with Blur, they could still fall back on the oh licensed vehicles thing. Like with Split Second, it's literally just because both the publisher and developer have like fucked off from gaming. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well do you wanna take the uh, the next hot take?
1: Yeah. Sounds good to me. So the one that really stood out to me here, there were there were so many points about Forza. Um a lot about Horizon but also about motorsport and the one I have from here it's from a uh, Garrett Emery and he says like Forza Motorsport's mainline games just aren't good. Flat out, just not good. Uh, Physics-wise, they're too floaty, and vehicles feel like they're on ice with unresponsive controls. Compared to GT, they're unplayable. Horizon, on the other hand, is a blast. Uh, The reason I chose this take is because I feel as if Forza Motorsport is a bit of a strange tale in how things can go awry very easily when it comes to racing game series. Because I think at one point, there was a lot of fire under um, Gran Turismo's feet. As Forza started to become more apparent as a potential competitor for the series, people loved what Forza was doing. I think Forza 4 was probably the peak of that, where there really was a, a focus on what are Polyphony doing, like how are they going to compete with this? But like as times went on, that the Forza Motorsport games, um, saying they're flat out just not good is maybe kind of simplifying it a little bit. But it's a hot take, so that's the whole point. Hmm. But I think like as far as Forza Motorsport is concerned, like, it's very much became the sideshow to the main Show Horizon series, which is a bit sad, really, given Motorsport has the real heritage.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was this interesting thing that happened where uh, Forza Horizon, when that game was announced, it felt like an experiment. It was like, let's see if we can take uh, a sim-based physics model and series and sort of kind of whip up this makeshift open world arcade racer based off of that and it was a massive success and that series has now become the de facto accessible uh mainstream racing title in the world and it's kind of crazy and it is helped by the fact that you know Microsoft and Playground and Turn 10 have that sort of every other year approach Uh, that, that has kind of been broken by the fact that we didn't get a new uh Forza Motorsport game Uh, last year or this year but yeah they just have a good cadence of releases and they they play sort of the quantity side of things you know quality I think is uh dubious however you know they they certainly because forza relies on so much um asset sort of reuse and and these kind of slight differences between games because it's like more of a sports title in that way an annualized sports title it does it is able to play to its strengths and just kind of be sort of, uh, uh, just slightly iterated upon and, and slightly evolved every single year. But yeah, I, I mean, I have to agree with Garrett's take here. Um, but that's basically just, you know, for me, it's based off the fact that I could never get down with the Forza physics model. Uh, but the, the one, you know, sort of Point where I'll diverge with him here is that he says that, you know, Forza's mainline games aren't good, they're too floaty, they're unresponsive. Compared to GD, they're unplayable. I, I wouldn't say they're unplayable. I think they're very playable. They're just not as satisfying. But then he says, Horizon, on the other hand, is a blast. And that's where he loses me, because to me, <laughs> these two Forza franchises handle almost exactly the same. Oh, like, wow. yeah, there there is some sort of, like, slight... Horizon will definitely make things easier on you but it doesn't it doesn't do a whole lot i think if you if you pull back all of the assists and everything you can and and maybe apply some of the assists on the forza motorsport side of things you can create two series you know two two racing games that more or less handle the same uh depending on how many assists you don't want on one side or how many assists you do on the other and frankly neither of them really work for me uh, but 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 that's me I think there's something about the limit of grip in uh, w- with the with the Forza physics engine where I just feel like the game doesn't really ever want me to to have it and when it sort of when I lose it it's kind of very dubious as to what state the tires are in. I don't know if it's a tire model thing or what but I, I just feel like the game just kind of encourages you to, have little control, but it doesn't it doesn't feel good. It just kind of feels like I'm like mercilessly skidding all the time. And I mean maybe that works better for a for a full on simulation, but I think for Horizon it's actually more of a problem because you're you're encouraged to play Horizon like a ridic- like the ridiculous arcade racer that that it is where you're bounding across hills and yeeting yourself off of mountains and crap. And I think I would I think I would rather have a game that's actually more forgiving. Uh, if if that's what I'm supposed to be doing, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times I've done like those cross country races in Forza Horizon Four, where I've launched myself off of a jump and I've landed, I've just been spinning over and over again, and I just <laughs> I just don't know why anyone thinks that's a good experience for an open world arcade racer. But <laughs> that's me.
1: I mean, this is a hot take from me live on the air. The worst driving experience I've ever had in the, the so-called Simcade games, is the 787B in Forza. It's literally the worst car I've ever driven. Like, mm. it is, like, it's, it handles like it's on ice, like Garrett's saying, and it's also at the same time trying to drive like a race car. It's just an absolute fucking disaster! Whenever <laughs> I think of, like, Forza, that's what I always think about. When I start playing, and I'm driving the hot hatches and stuff, I actually quite enjoy it a lot. But it's like when it gives me the racing cars, it's trying to paint this picture that we've talked about a few times where, did you know that racing cars are incredibly difficult to drive? That's realism. It isn't. Like, that's the thing. Like, Forza goes down that route of making cars harder to handle by making them more slidey. And it just makes, like, the, the latter half of those games really uninteresting and unappealing to me. Um, I do quite like Forza 7 from what I've played because they kind of toned that down a bit. But I think it was Forza 4 heralded as one of the, the kind of peaks of the series. I was just blown away compared to like Gran Turismo at the time, how annoying cars were to drive. I think that's the best word for it. It didn't feel fun, it didn't feel challenging, they just felt very frustrating and yeah uncar like. <laughs> for lack of a better term, which um, is
0: funny because like you have a lot of people who decry Forza and Grand, Forza Motorsport and Gran Turismo for being sim cades and not realistic enough, and but then you go and play a game like iRacing. <laughs> Uh, or a sale Corsa and you drive some of these cars and yeah, maybe your group C prototypes are a little difficult, but you drive race cars and you discover <laughs> <That's> that <great. laughs> most modern race cars are actually pretty damn easy to drive in the most punishing of simulators that exist. And like, you know, it's not really a mark of difficult. It's that classic thing that we've talked about so many times. A lot of people have talked about, which is that like difficulty does not equal realism, you know, and, yeah. and in some cases you will have cars that are harder to drive uh you know in a simulator compared to your comparable arcade racer but i will hold up need for speed 2015 as a shining example of how an arcade (laughs) racer can be more broken and impossible to to handle than like your most difficult car to drive in iRacing i will like i will put my hand on my heart and say that because like holy shit um you can have some broken arcade racing games that make driving way more difficult than it ever has to be
1: yeah, it's a fine balance to walk like another good example is when uh initial impressions for like a set of course i caught with to and there was sections of like the sim racing community that automatically separated itself from it because um some of like the the more prevalent some youtubers described it as easy to drive and it's that kind of like total been totally mo- removed from reality to forget that the GT three series that it's based upon is literally based on consumer cars. <laughs> it's like the based whole point consumer is like I'm very cars rich guy
0: with traction <laughs> control being mandatory on all cars. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't understand. So it's
1: like when we're talking about cars being difficult to drive, yes, like older racing cars, older Formula One cars should be harder to drive. But if we're talking about modern hyper cars and supercars. They're built to be driven fast, therefore they can be driven fast. And like the, the point you made about iRacing is a really good one, because driving those MX-5s the first time is an exercise in hell, because they just feel as if they've got no grip. They're very difficult to drive, and people kind of immediately separate and go, if I can't drive that in iRacing, I won't be able to drive the the IMSA series. And it's such a shock when you get put in an Audi or something in the IMSA series, and it's just like, the car basically drives itself, and it's like basically yeah. just whispering to you, all you need to do is find the speed, I'll do the rest. <laughs> but like the MX-5, on the other hand, is just like, you will learn to drive me because I just love skidding. <laughs> Yeah,
0: no, it is funny the first time you play iRacing and you're just like, wow, it really is as difficult as they say. But if you pay the, I don't know, the $15 or however much it costs now to get a new car, uh, you, you discover that, you know, depending on what you pick, maybe some of those like leather open wheel cars or something like that. Yeah, it's just... It's like night and day. It's like, wait, what was I? What was the problem here? Like, I remember some, <laughs> some, you know, back in the day, because I haven't played iRacing for like ten years. But like, some GT two cars were actually, you know, easier to drive than that Mazda. Oh, it's just pretty hilarious when you think
1: about it. Yeah, the thing about the Mazda as well is like because it's like small sprint races, the tires aren't warm when you start. So like yep. that's another thing. A lot of people forget about the tire model in that game being like crucial to the overall physics modeling. So it's. I mean, I'm not making this an eternity discussion. This is a time extended episode, but just in general, to bring it back to the main point, difficulty does not equal realism. And I feel as if at one point or another, kind of turn ten went down that route, and it kind of led to the detriment of the series overall. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, all right, I, I feel like we need to because we don't want this episode to go for much longer. But I think we need to turn up the heat and then come through with some really some really spicy takes and maybe yeah. maybe allow ourselves only only a short amount of time to respond to them uh so the first one that i will bring up is um from fabinator who says that uh despite everything that people chat on it driving emotion type s isn't that bad for an early ps2 gt clone um, yeah, given the the response to Driving Emotion Type S and the Time Extent community, especially at Discord, is that it is, like, the worst racing game of all time. It's really bad. However, I am actually going to go on record and agree with this take, because... I, I, I still think Sega GT is one of the first Sega GT is horrendously <laughs> oh broken, and I don't <laughs> yeah. think it handles much better than Driving Emotion Type S. I will also say that Driving Emotion Type S does a couple really special things for its time, in that it had Ferraris and Porsches at a time when, like, really no games except Need for Speed did, and it has interior view which is sort of a big deal. I mean, they had fully modeled 3D interiors at a time when very few games did. I don't think that makes Driving Motion Type S a good game. Not saying it's a good game, but I think it is hated a little bit more than it probably deserves considering a lot of developers were trying to rip off Gran Turismo at that time. And uh, none of them really did it well. Like there's a lot of really broken handling models. So. If you're saying in the grand scheme of things is Driving Motion Type S like one of the worst racing games ever, yes, but if you're comparing it to its competition, I don't really think so. I think it's it's pretty average actually compared to its competition.
1: You know, I think um, when I seen this tweet, it kind of, and the, the constant bashing on Discord, it's just made me think that I really do need to get around to playing this. This is one of those ones like when I used to get like, PlayStation 2 demo discs and the the PlayStation magazine. I used to see like, the video footage of it, and like just being, being a kid, looking at it primitively. I used to be like, "Oh, cool! That just looks like it'll be like Gran Turismo, and more Gran Turismo is good." As I've gotten older, I found out that's not the case. But I feel as if I should still play it to, to really get a grasp on it, and um, and that could be a future episode.
0: I, I think I think you definitely need to give it a try. Uh, all right, all right, hit hit me, Brent.
1: Ah, right, okay, okay. I've got a few here. I'm just looking for the right one. Uh, okay, so this is a, a good one. Treat cars do not belong in circuit based <laughs> racing games. That's from Crimson Savior. That's, That's from Audi Man. That's from Mr. Audi, I can't believe. Yeah. TT
0: <laughs> <laughs> <DT> Planet's Audi <laughs> <Aldi> Man. Damn.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, this is very matter of fact. Like, there, there's not a paragraph describing why he feels this way. It's just straight to the point those are best ones yeah they are and you know what to be honest right i don't think every circuit based racing game should have no street cars but i do feel as if the genre as a whole would benefit from a bit more cherry picking as far as car rosters go i think we're kind of sick of seeing the same kind of roughly 90 to 100 car list of the same cars over and over again personally I would appreciate the era of bringing back really stupid race cars. Where does Gigli Verti go, for example? <laughs> Shit like that. Like, I want to see the return of racing cars that you would not drive in any other games, and I think the best way of doing that is having kind of a cherry pick selection of racing cars without worrying about the licensing of the likes of regular golfs and that type of thing yeah
0: um i don't like this take alley man i really don't like what do do people not you know do people with too much money not take their 911 gt3 rs onto a track like do street cars never go on tracks like i don't understand what the logic is here like so all all racing for street cars has to be basically illegal it has to be on city streets or something like that I, i just i just don't understand it like Okay, not at, like I. I wouldn't say that a game like a sale course competizione needs street cars because that's not what they're going for. But I don't think we should just wipe street cars, production cars <laughs> from the record from any game that has a has a track in it. I I don't why. I don't think that's who who is it hurting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean this is you, like one of these ones. On this one. It's like the globalisation of the take that I love. It's just like every single circuit-based racing game cannot have streetcars. Like you're wiping out like seventy-five percent of the car lists in every circuit-based racing game. And you know what? This tweet was sent out to bring in the madness. And for me this is just fantastic because it's just like eliminating the vast majority of content in like any (sighs) race or ever. All right,
0: so 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 here is another one that that brings out the madness. I'm scrolling through Twitter, and now I'm digging I'm digging real far back um, to when we initially posed this back back in like the early part of 2020 when there was no pandemic. Um, a new this is from Tom Anderson. A new Genki console game would put every Need for Speed made in the last decade to shame. Uh, so I, I don't understand why Genki is hailed as much as they are, which I think already is going to get me some hate. They have made some fantastic racing games, but everyone I know that enjoys the Tokyo Extreme Racer series or Shitoku Battle Series or whatever you want to call it usually says that, like, 70% of them are crap or bad or janky or unfinished. Like, don't hear a lot of people going, going to bat for, like, I don't know... Tokyo Extreme Racer, like, one of those drift games, like, for example. Like, I... The problem here, too, is I haven't played all of them. I've played some of them over the years. But, like, I remember when, like, Import Tuner Challenge came out. It's like, you either have someone who said that this game was fantastic or it was awful. Like, Genki is not infallible. So... I don't really know where this is coming from, and I love TXR2. I think TXR2 is a fantastic game. That's that's the Tokyo Extreme Racer I've played the most. Have on Dreamcast. I've loved it my whole life. It's great, but Genki Genki's kind of all over the place. I think it's pretty fair to say. I mean,
1: God, Daytona USA 2001 was a mess. Oh yeah, exactly! Like You say Genki's um, not infallible, I would argue that in terms of their output, it trends towards most of their output being pretty shit. They occasionally have a gem. And I say that as somebody who absolutely loves like the early Tokyo Extreme Racer games, but... And I think like this point also goes for those really complaining about the bracket that we put together. Just yeah. because it's your favourite racing game does not mean it can be considered objectively the best racing game of all time. We all love those games that sit in that 7 out of 10 category, and a lot of Genki's output sits in there. There's nothing wrong with it. You just don't have to paint it as if they're better than they are.
0: Yeah, especially when, okay, every Need for Speed made in the last decade, so we're talking, you know, where are the best Need for Speed's made in the last decade? The Run, Hot Pursuit 2010, Heat. <laughs> he- <laughs> I would say that all three of those... Maybe TXR2 is better than those games, at least in my opinion, my personal opinion. But you can't automatically assume that any new Genki racing game that they would make would automatically be better than all three of those Need for Speed
1: games. You just can't. Like, yeah, nah, I'm not on board with this one at all. Um,. Uh, I think we have we, went through the nice kind of answers to a lot of the takes, but I'm enjoying that we're kind of airing out some of the I, the more I feel ridiculous like this is what here. I feel like this is
0: what, you know, this segment is really born for. Us. So I think I think yeah. we're doing it justice now. So
1: you, I have got another go one here. Um this is from Daily Kong. Um screen named daily's conquest wipeout is nowhere near as great as f-zero now this is a personal bone to pick on this one adam so <laughs> i'm sorry but i've seen this one and i just i cannot take it i get all you f-zero guys out there loving your captain falcons and all, the, all that speed and stuff but wipeout was iconic it personified an era especially here in the uk of like underground music Amazing art design, Designers Republic involved, come on, Prodigy, DJ Fresh, you know what I mean? like <laughs> The Wipeout encapsulates everything about like that type of anti-gravity racing. For me, F-Zero is a nice extension on the Mario Kart formula that blossomed into something beautiful in GX. Wipeout, on the other hand, was always made with a very specific vision and it stuck to it perfectly. I get why people love F Zero, saying that Wipeout's never been as great as it for me. That's oh, that—that's just a crime, man.
0: Yeah, I, I also think I don't know why F Zero is beloved as it is as, as a series. You know, I love GX, but I always toot the horn of like, well, you know, that one was made by Sega, so obviously it's good. <laughs> but like the, uh, you know, like X is really sparse and just really. I feel like. I feel like F-Zero is that series that just prioritizes speed and says fuck all to everything else. Like there's no, in most of those games, there really isn't much depth. It's just trying to move you as quickly as possible, Um, which I don't think is necessarily like a hallmark of a Nintendo racing game. I think there is a lot more depth in Mario Kart 8, for example, than there is in most F-Zero games. But like... I, I always saw this like Wipeout was like the more cerebral anti-grav racer, whereas F Zero was just like literally, if you if you want to just assault your eyes with as much just speed and just blistering like twitchy gameplay as possible, you you went for F Zero. And now, of course, Wipeout does have that. If you go up to your you, you do Zone mode, you go up to your really high speed classes. Uh, but it's more technical. Um, I don't... I don't know. I think... I, I, on yeah. on the whole, I think Wipeout is a more technical handling series than F-Zero. Maybe GX, but, but I feel like the people who play GX well are also playing it in a way that just is offensive to me. Like, with the snaking and everything. <laughs> so... I don't think yeah. GX is supposed to be that kind of game, but that's what people have made it
1: into. I think, uh. like... The best way that could exemplify this is if there was a new uh, F Zero and it had online play, because I'm willing to bet that much like um, Fast RMX, which is a phenomenal racing game on the Switch, when you actually try and play those types of game with other people, you realise how little actual racing goes on, as in the strategy, uh, the kind of they the, the need to kind of calculate your overtakes and stuff. That is just like, in my opinion, an F Zero not really that important. It's just about getting as much speed as possible. That is, it's about moving up the traffic well, in my opinion, that's it. Whereas Wipeout, on the other hand, for me, and I know I'm a bit of a fanboy for the series, but like, I've always found that it's so technical to play at any of the speed classes online that there used to be people who genuinely specialised in like Venom speed class. It wasn't just about playing at Phantom, and it was always amazing to watch how the strategy changed depending on what speed you were playing at in HD Fury. And then, um, even from an iconic point of view, I love how like I feel as if anybody could appreciate the way Wipeout looks. If you showed a non-gamer F0, they would think it was a video game. I know that sounds silly, I just mean like it's very much made for that kind of Mario-liking Nintendo fan first. But like Wipeout was more about I don't give a shit if you like grungy design, this is the route we've gone down. And then in future iterations it's kind of totally ditched that for a more kind of clean aesthetic that once again Some people might have not liked, but what you can also say about that game is, in terms of the way it's designed, if you look at how early, like, Pulse and Pureware and then HD Fury, it has actually kind of done well at predicting what kind of design trends would become more popular in the future. That very hyperized, minimalistic style that prioritises fonts over actual emblems and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I think it kind of speaks to, like, Nintendo's philosophy versus, like... Uh, Studio Liverpool's philosophy over the years which is that Nintendo obviously doesn't really they're not they're not a company that likes to make just just straight up racing games and so anytime they do they have to kind of dress it up in this way that's palatable to people in the mainstream whereas Wipeout takes the context and the idea of modern motorsport and applies it to the future like in this vision of the future i think those are two fundamentally different i mean nintendo's basically saying racing is boring let's make it fun whereas <laughs> yeah. whereas Wipeout's saying like racing is cool let's make it let's think of it in a way that it could be cooler 100 years from now 200 years from now and i think to to racing fans the second take is going to be the the more sort of respectful and exciting one but yeah, that's me
1: yeah uh, i just uh, when I see these wipeout versus F Zero comparisons, you know me, Adam. There's only one route I go down. Um, <laughs> I even know one of, one of the the people who worked on one of my favorite games of all time, Sega Rally Evo. <laughs> Paul <laughs> prefers F Zero, and that makes me sad to no end. But it resulted in us <laughs> getting Alpine one. So uh, if that track exists from that brain, then I'll I'll accept the take.
0: Sure. All right. Here is one from Motorsport, Maddie. Uh, Codemasters racing games are more fun than games which have much better physics and handling models. Uh, I, I think Codemasters racing games of a time, I would say this was. I would say this was true <laughs> yeah. of Grid, the first Grid. because uh, I don't really love the way the first Grid handles. But as we said in our Grid podcast, um, there's just something about the way that that game. Made motorsport very dramatic that works, even if the the actual act of driving isn't that much fun. Uh, yeah, I think you could say it's maybe about Dirt 1. I don't think you could say this, though, about Grid 2019 or, you know, Dirt 4, perhaps. Like, I don't think that Codemasters racing games have so much in them to make up for the fact like the ones I mean C- Codemasters racing games for the most part like they, they the physics tend to be on point they're close to but yeah. in the situations where it's not it's not like there's a lot of meat on these games where it's like oh they have these vast career modes or they have all this content I was like like, like Dirt Rally is literally oh like God, a succession yeah. of events and you go out <laughs> and do it now that game happens to have in my opinion the best physics model of any modern rally game of, any, of sure. any rally sim but if you take that away what does that game become it becomes pointless uh if you if you take away i mean grid 29 2019 doesn't really have physics that are all that exciting and kind of fails in sort of um re-approaching what made the original so good and that game doesn't have a whole lot of else going on to really make me want to keep playing i mean Let's be honest. I don't want to be overly offensive to the game, but the only reason that we did the grid event that we did is because it was on Stadia and everybody could play it. It wasn't because it was like this, you know, this, yeah. ex- this and experience I- that we want everybody to be a part of. It was, it was more of a laugh. So, I don't, I don't really see where this is coming from.
1: No, I think like Dirt Five could herald in a, a different era of Codemasters racing games. At least I'm hopeful about that. Um, because that one looks as if it's got a bit more thought and care to the overall package. Um, Like you say, the biggest offender for that, and I think it's one of the games we're most critical of for that reason, uh, Dirt Rally 2.0 was just like, we've got this incredible physics engine, let's ship it. (laughs) And there was also as well just small design decisions in that game where like, The daily events aren't really an an even level playing field because you need to drive each car to unlock upgrades and stuff so if you don't play the game and jump back in you're immediately going to be worse than everybody else playing, there's a lot of stuff like that. Uh, Grid 2019. If we're talking about just a list of events to do, once again, like, Grid 2019 is literally a checkbox exercise, like there's absolutely no career structure there worth talking about. Um, it doesn't really pay much attention to its overarching world racing series that it's supposed to be representing. Right now, Codemasters are in a spot where all their driving models, whether it be F1, whether it be Grid, whether it be Dirt Rally, uh, hopefully Dirt 5, I mean, judging on your uh, point so far about it, Adam, during the preview, it nails the, the driving physics well. Yeah. Those physics engines are all absolutely fine just now, and fun enough, But if they don't provide the scenario that allows me to enjoy these physics in terms of a game design point of view, then they're going to lose me, and I think that's why I don't really agree with this take.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's as simple as saying that, like, the Codemasters racing games that we tend to like are the ones that have the physics, and it's because when they they lack decent physics, there's nothing else there. I mean, that's been true of the last several, you know iterations of these franchises, I think F1's kind of a different case because F1's an annualized sports series, but yeah, physics are all they really have, and that's not necessarily like, that's, it sounds critical, it's not as critical as it maybe sounds, like, they do, like, their rallying physics are perfect to me. I wouldn't change a thing. Like, yes, they make me tear my hair out because Dirt Rally 2.0 just just makes me ill with how sweaty and difficult it is, but like, I mean those games feel excellent. I, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh but we'd like to see more outside of that. And I think that kind of right there, that that sort of is the anti- antithesis to this take.
1: Yeah. Totally uh, agree. Do you think we'll get we... time for one more? Yeah, let's do one more. Cool. So um the next take that I wanted to discuss to, to finish us off was by Amadi at uh, underscore Velocita underscore. Um, basically, this take says that people who take racing leagues online, whether that be through the games themselves or organised through forums and discussion boards, uh, far too seriously make it embarrassing to watch sometimes. Uh, these games should be about fun first even in these organised environments. and. I really uh, agree with this take because I feel as if simulation games by their nature are more serious, I agree with that, but I don't think every single game has to be treated like the pinnacle of motorsport when you're dedicating like two hours of your week to racing. It's like, these leagues exist so people should be able to have more fun, not necessarily so they can brag about winning or get overly invested in terms of like not not putting the fun first and getting really annoyed if people in the series aren't maybe as good racers as other people. Perhaps there's incidents where people crash, that type of thing. From what I've seen, and from what I've experienced in everything outside of iRacing, ironically I think I've said that before, that's actually been a great experience. There are times where somebody makes a small mistake and it's just so amplified and people get really worked up about it. Um, People start to kind of forget as well that the fun is in the driving and just start to care more about winning that type of thing. I think like ultimately what this means is we, we strip away the fun from the games and focus more on the, the competitive side of it, and I think that those should, those two should go hand in hand, and I feel as if the reason that arcade games get more frowned upon as well in these kind of more modern days is because people can't kind of treat it as if it's like them being Lewis Hamilton on the, the, the pit wall.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, it's funny because the way that i kind of experience all things you're talking about and then this this take speaks to is something that we were talking about a couple weeks ago with regards to project cars 3 and something that we experienced when we did our project cars 3 race which is that we were we were unsure of whether or not to have rules uh, on mainly because we were concerned about penalties and track limits and there's this weird thing that's kind of happening where it's like every single racing game now is really clamping down on track limits and 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 that specifically and if you're talking about online play I think that's fine to an extent you know I think in GT Sport in GT Sport mode I think it's fine but these things are kind of feeding over into just the way that these games are meant to be enjoyed even in a solitary way and And it's funny because a friend of mine uh, has been playing Ride Four, and he he loves motorcycles and he's enjoying the game. But he's like the 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 track limits and the the cancellation of laps and things and the invalidating laps on like the most you know minimal of of uh you know stretching over the limit. Even tracks where you have these curbs where like you know you have the the. Regular, like red, white, stripe part of the curb, and then you have this green part beyond it. It's like, well, depending on what you're talking about, the the, the green part of the curb might be considered fair. Um, you never really know what way the game's gonna read that. In Project Cars Three, you never really know what way the game's gonna read that. And the reason I'm bringing this up in relation to this question is because, like. Now we, we all have to be, like, really focused and mindful of these things, even if we're playing, like, a single-player racing game on our own, or even if we're playing against yeah. friends uh, away from this, like, league, you know, hyper-competitive eSports thing. Every racing game now wants to be its own sport, and I think that really sucks. I think I, think yeah. <laughs> I understand why developers and publishers are doing it, because they they see a way to market their games um to a more competitive uh sect of the community uh, if they're able to have their forza racing championship or their fia gran turismo esport or their wrc whatever like they you know that's that's kind of an added dimension of marketing for them but i think they kind of a lot of i think a lot of these racing games need to sort of know their place and i know that's sort of like a It's easy for me to say because I don't work for any of these companies, I'm not trying to market and and promote my game and get it to a wider audience or get it to to more people, but like, yeah, I I don't see why Ride needs to be overly punishing on on the track limits, I don't see why Project Cars needs to do this, like, you have to be honest with yourselves, nobody goes to your games for these things. And I I, I know yeah. that's sort of crushing and like overly critical to say about some of these games, but it's the truth. It, I, and I think that kind of feeds over into, um, into the communities, and it kind of creates this feeling of like everyone's taking shit too seriously. And I think there really are should be times where these things you know are really taken seriously and are are entered with that mindset in times where we can just like kind of kick back and enjoy it for what it is uh but but that's me i mean i as you're talking about that i'm just thinking about all the times in project cars 3 (laughs) that i've just been like so incensed because the game is trying to have me make it this hyper serious thing when you know the game isn't really all that realistic to begin with and most of the challenges are based around whether or not I can arbitrarily draft a car in front of me for a minute. It's not based around, <laughs> you know, setting a lap that yeah. we're gonna see if, like, is better than Lewis Hamilton's lap that he set last year at this track. Like, who the fuck gives a shit? <laughs> just...
1: Yeah, I think, like, the issue is as well, what this creates is there's no in-between between hyper-professionalism and just posting and driving game form. So you'll get, like, lobbies that turn off all the restrictions and everybody just acts like dicks, but then you've got the lobbies that has all the penalties, the track limits and stuff in place. Whereas like, part of me pines for like the days of GT5 prologue on the high-speed ring when everybody would wall-ride round one of the corners (laughs) cos that was like the fastest way to go around it. And it was just like... It was so funny because it became like its own little meta of how to take that specific corner and nobody got incensed about it. I mean, probably some people did, but it wasn't like a massive thing, whereas if like a game gets one track limit wrong in Monza it's going to be a fucking 40 page thread somewhere of people just moaning and getting annoyed by it. In the case of Project Cars 3 I'm glad you brought that up because there has been times where I've literally just Windows tabbed out of the game because I've just been like, you want me to hoon the shit out of this car? and then like, I go over a slight road marking on like, the Tuscany circuit, it's like, nah, I, I don't have the time or consideration for that, like it's not that type of game for me. Um, yeah, I think like this take really appealed to me because of that. It's perpetuated by the drivers who take it seriously, but I also feel as if from a game design point of view, there is this need to try and make everything have its own potential kind of gateway to some sort of eSports implementation. Just don't forget about the fun, like, the shooters manage to do it. You get your shooters that are viewed as like, eSports stuff, like Counter-Strike, it's very serious and blah blah blah. But then you also get your faults, which is just like, just go out there and have fucking fun, man. Like, enjoy it. Enjoy the shooting. I think racing games need to remember that's there as well. Um, and hopefully we'll get more racing games that aren't as, like, very critical of people's driving, because I love close clean driving as much as the next SimDad. But for a lot of these games, that's not what it's about. I think the the game that I always use as an example for it is when I played Out Run online arcade online, and I was amazed at how many of the top drivers were just simply not drifting and like trying to take the corners clinically. Mm. And I'm just like, is that really why you play Out Run? Yeah. Like to, to understeer your way around. How bends, much fun like, is get this? Fuck that. And yeah, and, and I'm <laughs> yeah. not
0: saying that we that we don't need ranked modes that that do rely on. You know strict adherence to track limits and that do punish you for exceeding those limits and and whatnot I, I think penalties I think stuff like that is fine I just don't think it needs to be blanket applied to every single aspect of this game and I think specifically if I'm playing by myself I shouldn't have to deal with any of it and I should at least be able to turn it off you know this stuff only really matters when you're playing with other people who are taking it as seriously as you uh, or, or perhaps more so, but that's not really a consideration when we're having a single player experience. So, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's just exactly.
1: My I think like what one last point about this t- to make was like very recently a donkey posted a tweet, a very popular YouTuber, saying that he was getting the hang of Gran Turismo, and it was just like him battling down the Forza, <laughs> the first <laughs> the first corner at Forza, like smashing into someone. Uh, hitting hit the chicane and like totally 360 in his car and ending up back on the road. And there was just so much concern trolling in the replies and it's like this guy is literally like a comedy YouTuber. Nobody's gonna watch the way he plays Gran Turismo and be like yep that's the way to play the game. But right away there were just the usual suspects on the tweet like oh this will encourage a new generation of Gran Turismo drivers to take the corner this way and it's like Lads, sometimes people just like having fun, and, and if you've never punted a car in Gran Turismo before, I don't believe that for a second. Like, it's one of the funniest things with the, the collision physics in that game, especially in the older iterations. Like, it's sometimes it's best just to view things through the lens of having fun. There are pre- plenty of series outlets for racing, just don't let the fun stuff get bogged down by these little kind of elements of series racing, just kind of almost plaguing the games.
0: Yeah and to a certain extent it's hard to determine like whether it's it's the fans who want to take it overly seriously influencing the developers or it's developers giving i feel like it's this kind of circular thing where it's like
1: yeah
0: you know it's it's both sides are kind of at fault here but i i do hope that you know we can all just kind of relax (laughs) because racing games used to be better (laughs) that way
1: at least that's how i feel exactly what a point to end on as well
0: all right, so thank you everybody for listening to this episode. Uh, be sure to you know keep an eye out for the polls that we're posting every single day. This uh, racing madness thing is going to last for like another like eighteen days or two weeks or something like that. So it's it's going to be an ongoing thing. Um, and although some of the rounds right now might be a little bit easy, they're they're going to get hard they're gonna be really difficult um and i can say this for a fact because i've gone through it myself and we've, we've gotten feedback from a bunch of people who've done their own brackets which are really cool to see people like for some reason i never even imagined like people would just like print out the bracket and try and fill it out themselves but um <laughs> yeah and and brend you saw a bunch of different like winners uh b- between your you know your friends and people that you know uh so that's that's pretty exciting
1: yeah, definitely. I think there's the kind of obvious candidates for who could win, but there's a few games on the fringe that might end up um, might end up surprising us. Um, just as a good point of that, um, the matchup between Forza 4 and Colin McRae Rally right now is currently forty eight percent fifty two in favor of Wow, they're even that closer. Italy was like sixty two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I think um, if Forza Motorsport 4 can run Colin McRae that close and maybe even take the win, who knows? Spoiler
0: alert: it didn't.
1: Um, I think there's going to be some surprises in there. Um, one of, the, if I was to choose a pick that I think might surprise a lot of people by going the distance, I think the original grid might be in with a good shout of yep. getting through its own uh, regional.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch. And there, there, there are a couple of first-round matchups there going to be really exciting like uh uh, burnout burnout paradise versus midnight club 3 i feel like is going to is going to be tough because it's one of those things like a lot of people know burnout paradise but the people who who love midnight club like still are not happy with any open world street racers since midnight (laughs) clubs it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch all right so thank you everyone again for listening and we will see you again
1: soon